0: Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m. Wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m. Grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m. Book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at AmericanExpress.com/slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply.
1: Welcome to this week's play-by-play of the Hangtime Podcast. <laughs> Damaris Lewis, Sports Illustrated model, is joining us here on the Hangtime Podcast. You, you, you have great personality.
0: You can hear it in your voice. You date an NBA player. I'm open to anything, but He's, respect. Old school. Civilry. Like, I listen to Sinatra in the morning. You need to
2: accept that. <laughs> <laughs> so I hear you're single, then. <laughs> with your host Now we have Anderson. Stop it
1: now, behind
2: his head. Sekou Smith, Lang Whitaker, and Rick Fox. Our next guest should have been our First guest Isaiah Thomas. How do you think you would play in today's NBA with the rules the way they are? Be honest. Average uh, forty. <laughs> we will win a lot.
1: <laughs> and it's, it's our main man, roderick Turner from the Los Angeles Times. Hey, too. Can I say this first? <laughs> you know you. When can. I started covering the Lakers, when Rick Fox played, I had hair. They wore me out. <laughs> now it's
0: time
2: for the tip off.
1: All right, fellas. Miami Vice-style NBA final. Sexy Smith here on the Hangtime Podcast. Lane Whitaker, where are you? You're supposed to be here. This thing I'll is supposed there. to be live be, on the beach. What's going on?
2: I'll be there in about 12 hours.
1: <laughs> or less. Rick Fox, nowhere to be heard from or found. I mean, he probably, he probably took the wrong flight and went to the Bahamas.
2: I think Rick's out there uh, kicking the Pacers off his lawn <laughs> once and for all. Once
1: again, we cannot find Rick Fox. You got to love the Time Podcast, man. Like you, we, everybody wanted a big time matchup in the finals. They wanted, you know, the heavyweights. They wanted the clash of the titans. You know, this rematch from LeBron against the Spurs. Are we getting? Are we getting sold exactly what we thought? Or is this? Are we putting too much on the the history between LeBron and the Spurs and and Duncan and these guys?
2: I don't know that the Heat and the Spurs are the clash of the titans. To me, that's Durant against LeBron. Um, really? To, yeah Today's NBA I mean that's the two biggest superstars In the NBA Right uh, as Kobe far as, would, I mean Kobe Bryant
1: Would, would argue that yeah, you, you
2: know Sure Kobe's a part of that too <laughs> But I would say uh, uh, To me The Spurs And the Heat might, I think that's probably The best basketball matchup Right uh, the teams that were left In the playoffs And I think Fans of basketball Will really enjoy it a lot I don't know if casual fans Will get into This matchup as much Right You um, New- you were at shootaround today, right? Or practice? I was
1: at the media day today. Yeah, it was. Uh, what was it like there? It's weird. The Spurs are so they've done this so many times. I mean, it's the fifth time in the last fifteen years the organization has been you know involved in the finals, man. So it's 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 such a non big deal to them. And you think about it, this is the Heat's fourth time as an organization in the finals. So it's not. It's not the earth-shattering, oh, Lord, you know, uh, we made it to the finals type atmosphere that you get when it's a first-time team. Like, had Indiana been in the finals, it would have been a much different experience. Their guys would have been doing it for the first time. Right. You know, so there's that Super Bowl atmosphere to it where cats bring video cameras and want to make sure they capture every moment of the experience. You know what I mean? This,
2: yeah. It's business
1: for these two teams
2: because they've done it so much, I think. And they were like the Thunder last year.
1: Well, yeah, the Thunder it was a, yeah, it was fresh, and they and they were young, and you know James Harden and and Durant and Westbrook, all those guys were doing it for the first time, right. so there was an element of newness to it that I think is is missing for the you know the central figures in this one. The thing I do like about it, though, and and Lord knows, two thousand and seven is over. I mean, it's history. This, these teams are not those two teams, but it was brought up so much today. Right, that, You know, you had to start thinking about it and talking about it. And, and Greg Popovich, Spurs coach, made a good point. He said, listen, Le- basically said LeBron is a much bigger problem now than he was in 2007. So don't assume that, you know, this is just some carbon copy and we can go back to that blueprint and figure out a way to solve it.
2: Right. And I wonder if uh, what the Heat, you know, having they've been done what? Thirty-six hours since since they qualified for the finals, I just wonder if they've had enough time to even. See, or are they just going to go into this almost like a regular season game? You know, um, not no, having I, had the I, time to, to break down like the way the Spurs have.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think they learned their lesson from that, Lang. I think they after after they tried to pull that you know whistle cool, we'll just come in and do our usual thing against Indiana and got popped. Yeah, that surprised. I think that that's probably not going to be a part of their. Uh, their operation for this series. I, I really, you know, it's weird. Tony Parker was walking down the hallway on his way to the podium, and I was standing there with somebody. I forget who I was standing with, but he kind of shot us both a look. It was another reporter. He kind of shot us a look like, what's happening? Like, glad to be back. You know, and there's some familiarity here for both sides, I think, in terms of how you have to handle yourself in the finals. You know, I, I talked to Ray Allen um, on NBA TV during media availability, and you know, he's been here, obviously, with the with the Celtics and now with the Heat. And even he was kind of, he was the one person I talked to that kind of had that, well, you know, this is a big deal, you know, for me after an emotional year, of what I went through to get to this point, blah, blah, blah. And kind of looking forward to being here because it's a, you, you want to turn the wrapping paper off of it, so to speak. But I, he's the only guy I talked to or heard talking about it in that regard. I didn't really hear anybody else talking about it like it was that sort of event. Right. Um, so, you know, like I said, that's why I, uh, when I first brought up the topic, I'm just curious as to do we get a series that's devoid of all of that sort of extra sauce on it in terms of you know just
2: how big a deal it
1: is to these guys to be here. So, yeah. Um, what do you? Th- I mean, what do you think, Lang, in terms of the best matchup in the series that's out there?
2: Well, obviously, how does San Antonio's Stop LeBron, and, I, and they're not going to stop him. But how do you slow him down or or contain him? Um, and I guess they can use Kawhi Leonard. They could use Danny Green. They have a couple guys they could throw at him. But I, right. I wonder, you know, that's the best player in the series. How do you uh, match up with him, or how do you try to contain him? The other, the other thing I'm curious about is Mario Chalmers. Um, Watching that Pacers Heat series, you really kind of recognize and notice if you hadn't already how there's no middle ground with him. You know, he either comes down and makes a, a really good play, or he makes a turnover, or some play where LeBron and Dwayne Wade yell at him after the play. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot of getting yelled at by Mario Chalmers when he's in the game. Um, and my favorite stuff that happens
1: when they start yelling at him, like yeah, something will happen, and somebody else can make a big mistake. They won't say a word, and then Chalmers. The ball out of bounds, and they snap on it. Like, yeah, he gets a little brother treatment all the time. I like
2: that he does. So you know, Tony Parker obviously uh, is a key to the Spurs. It just Chalmers, uh, I think if he at all can can just give Parker something to worry about, that changes things. You know, if he can um, just be consistent, make Parker have to defend him. Uh, if he can cause some problems defensively for Parker, that's a big deal too. And I I, I think Chalmers is, is a guy who gets overlooked a lot. He he becomes that little brother guy a lot, but I think he can make a pretty big difference in this series for Miami.
1: Yeah, I'm who do you think, Lang, that this, this series you know, we talk legacies. I wrote about D. Wade's legacy before game seven of the East Coast Finals just said, you know, he had a lot riding on whether or not he could bounce back and have a big time performance in game right. seven. Who's Whose legacy do you think is most at risk in in the finals? Like, I, I know people assume that Tim Duncan is going to go down as the greatest power forward ever played by most people's standard. No matter what he does in this series, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Who's whose legacy do you think has more riding on their performance and the outcome of this finals between the Heat and the Spurs? Which which player maybe or which? You know the dynasty, the Spurs. I mean, where do you think the the biggest onus lies in terms of how to how this thing plays
2: out? I think if the Spurs win, it's kind of a cherry on top of of this dynasty. You know, the, I mean, you know, it's not going to go too much longer. Duncan doesn't have much left in the tank. You know, maybe a couple of years. But uh, if the Spurs win, people say, "Well, you know, we they are who we thought we." <laughs> I, can't, I can't even say it. People <laughs> they are say, who
1: we thought they were.
2: <laughs> "Yeah." people are going to say we they are who we thought they were and, and then right. but if the Heat lose that's two losses in the finals in the last three years right uh, and and people are going to start I think to kind of question well maybe these guys aren't the dynasty we thought they were going to become maybe LeBron's not quite as good as we thought he was maybe you know he can't carry this team to a finals uh, that'll be three losses in the finals for LeBron um yeah. So, I, just, I hate to
1: jump to crazy. To me, that seems like such an irrational conclusion. Yeah, and I know it's the one we all come like people come to after the fact. After Dallas, remember he was never going to win one. Yeah, you know, and and of course, then a year later, he's the greatest thing since you know the invention of the basketball. I mean, it's just, I have a hard time swinging from those emotional,
2: right, you know,
1: reactions to what is really a remark. I mean, win or lose, and I was talking about this with. Some of our boys, Sherrod Blakely, Mark Spears, Gary Washburn, we all had, had a chance to sit down after MediaVale today. And, uh, which, you know, we're looking up. Like, who's got the record for the most finals appearances in their career? You know, you forget Bill Russell, 13 times he played for a championship. Right. You know, um, and how hard it is to get a team to that level year after year after year. I mean, what LeBron has done, win or lose to me, has been pretty – Pretty damn remarkable. Just, yeah, know, everywhere he's been, they they played at a championship. Well, the only two places he's been, rather, they played yeah. at a championship level. That's right. Over the course of a decade, not not every not every guy's gonna be able to leave his career with with that kind of track record. And I, and I feel like we think we almost take LeBron for granted. It's like those plays he made Lang during these kind of Finals, the block on George Hill or the dunk, and you know he goes up and has to duck his head to keep from getting a concussion. We, right. we expect we expect him to do so much that we almost forget how unbelievably ridiculous it is for him to make the play at all. Yeah, and I wonder if we're I wonder if we're squeezing LeBron, not giving him the space and respect that he deserves. You know what I mean?
2: Well, I think in Game Six you saw uh, not his limitations, but you saw you know as even as much as he can do. Uh, there's He can't do everything And there's times where he's going to have the ball uh, You know, he, he played point guard seemed like most of that game Especially when they were behind and trying to come back um, He had the ball in his hands and, and even with him Creating for other people And uh, trying to go in the post Doing other things, everything he could do For that team where no one else Could get it going in that game He couldn't carry them past The Pacers in that game 6 uh, So I think in some sense you see that he's not a, you know, he's not uh, the best basketball player to ever play, you know, or whatever the, the, the hyperbole is for him. Yeah. That being said, there's times like in game seven where he kind of, he's not as prominent a part of things, but then something happens like that dunk you mentioned, the alley-oop where he almost hits his head on the rim. And right? You're like, and you're like, wow, this guy can still – you know, he still dun- – <laughs> he had three dunks in that game that were just unbelievable that I ended up uh, – I did a little post on All Ball Ball Blog on NBA.com about it. There, even in the warm-ups, he did a reverse 360 Statue of Liberty dunk. <laughs> just just in warm-ups, just, you know, screwing yes. around. It, hey, I'll just go do this. Around. Yeah, it was unbelievable. So he's, he, he can still do all these incredible things. And it's just uh, – I don't know if he'll ever be – I, I don't do we appreciate him properly you know what I mean like is he in in some ways is he still I mean even with all the MVPs and stuff is he still a little bit underrated
1: I don't know if it's underrated but I think it's just underappreciated more than it is yeah I don't feel like we appreciate the level of uh, of greatness we see out of him on the regular and people yell at you I mean you know you get these tweets and emails from people every time you say one thing decent about LeBron oh you just LeBron you know a fan. You, Le- you love LeBron so much, blah, blah, blah. It's like, listen, man, I'm, I just don't want to be one of those people that hates on a guy who's at the top of his game because too many people are appreciating. He he does stuff that makes absolutely no sense physically sometimes. Yeah. But then I look at the other plays he makes, the, the crazy pass, cross-court pass that, you know, yes. he's got spectacular vision. I mean, he's got all this other stuff to the game that's more than just physical prowess, and, and I, I hate that we lose sight of that sometimes when we talk about LeBron or watch LeBron or evaluate his game because I think it, it's a disservice to him and to, uh, to the game itself, you know, when you don't appreciate a guy in his time. You know, I, I think about Michael Jordan when he was playing and how much vitriol there was for Jordan from people who weren't from Chicago. Like, he didn't get all that universal love that he that he gets now in hindsight while he was playing I mean I'm, uh, I hate to admit That I'm old enough To remember it But you know He did have to go to arenas Where he was the villain And got booed the whole time It's not like Everywhere he went He was the greatest thing Since Slice So
2: Well he Yeah I mean I I grew up a Hawks fan And he was He was our enemy You know And I would yeah. go to games And boo Michael Jordan um, Yeah But but at the same time I think yeah, we he, all respected man, him You know we, we we saw what he could do uh, We booed him We knew he was the villain But at the same time You were afraid of him And Right Uh and and I don't know that LeBron has that same um, gets that same respect from opposing fans uh, the same way Jordan did. And and to talk about a guy who might be underappreciated in his time, like you mentioned with LeBron, does Tim Duncan fit into that category?
1: <laughs> we can spend another hour talking about how <laughs> underappreciated he is. I that mean, that's, that's why that's why I like this Finals Lang um, as a part of something bigger than just these two teams playing. I mean, this is a. This is a legacy finals for a couple of guys, or for several guys potentially, yeah. um, to really to cement the legacy, for LeBron to continue to build on it. Um, you know, we haven't even mentioned Manu Ginobili, uh, Tony Parker, and these guys, I mean, you go from, to me, and once you cross the, the plateau of having one championship, that puts you in a different group from all the guys who have played. Once you get two, it puts you in that elite company of guys. You know, the more you get the 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 higher you go on the terms of in terms of importance to me in, in championships won, um, on that list it's hard to we we're talking about that like who's the who's the guy that you can think of who didn't win a bunch of championships but still is considered one of the all time greats and I was like Wilt is one of the only guys I can think of and Oscar Robertson, yeah, got, didn't win a ton of championships who get universal acclaim as being all time great player I'm talking five you know all time great players everybody else in that group has in upwards of two, three, four championships. And that, you know, where do you draw the line if LeBron's got one, you know, but he's still working on padding out his resume, where does he rank Or is he going to be one of those guys like Will, who doesn't need five or six to be considered, you know, one of the three of the top five players that's ever played?
2: I think as long as he keeps stacking up MVPs, um, it might not matter. And, you know, look, he's already won one, so – uh, he, he it's gonna he's gonna be he's gonna go down as one of the greatest to ever play. Um, right. He already is considered in that thing. I, I just winning those championships, winning more championships. I don't know how that affects his legacy that much, um, other than maybe um, you know they they say he's. I mean, it's not gonna people aren't gonna say well he was a great team player because he is a good team player. You know he's the right. best passer on like every team he's been on. Um, right. He's won gold medals. I don't think it's gonna change from that standpoint. Um right. if if anything, it's just gonna you know, we love to compare people to other people and and that way you'll be able to say, well, look, Jordan won six titles, maybe LeBron won two or three or four. Um by the time he's done. And and but I don't he's such a unique player that it's hard for me to to compare or contrast him with with other players of of his right. generation because no one is that size with that speed with that ability really. Yeah.
1: Well look, we we could we're going to talk the finals to death obviously, but come on, I'm going to throw a curveball at everybody on the Hang Time podcast this week and bring in somebody different who has a little different <laughs> perspective, a little more analytical uh, analytical than uh or myself. And that's uh, NBA.com's John Schumann. Um you know, welcome back and and what do we miss in when we analyze the finals in and, and the matchups between the Heat and the Spurs that maybe that you that you've looked at in a different way than we have? Well, I think from a num numbers perspective, they're both
3: pretty similar in that um just sort of where they get their shots and how you know, what they do offensively as far as shot locations and, and even defensively. Um I mean you know by now that you know the most efficient shots are the shots at the rim and then shots from the corner like corner threes and both these teams I mean that's where they want to get their shots you know the heat you know they have Wade and LeBron attacking the basket those guys are uh, you know uh, top you know top 10 as far as basket you know baskets uh, in the restricted area and then they have their shooters, guys like Battier who led the league in corner threes, Ray Allen, who I think ranked ranked eighth. Um, and that's sort of the you know, the the focus of their offense. And then you look at the Spurs though, and they defend those two areas really well. And then if you look on the other end of the floor, the Spurs, that's where they like to get their offense. They have Tony Parker, uh obviously attacking the basket on pick and roll, and then they have Splitter and Duncan rolling to the basket. All three of those guys had over two hundred baskets in the restricted area this season, which is top twenty in the league. And then they have uh Danny Green who ranked second in corner threes uh during the season and, and Kawhi Leonard who who also ranked in the top twenty. So it's like it's like well first of all you have to say, you know, these both teams have pretty smart coaches who know where, you know, where to shoot the right. ball from. Yeah. And then, but both teams defend those areas really well, so I think it's a great, you know, it's a great matchup, and that you know which team can can be
2: most effective at the basket and in the corners is going to really determine uh, who wins the series. John, aside from those two areas, where did the two teams have advantages over the other teams? I I, I don't really see
3: any. It's interesting because, like, the other thing that the Heat, uh, you know what the Heat do good defensively is they force turnovers, but the Spurs protect the ball well. Um, The Spurs are a a really good defensive rebounding team. Um, You know, the the Heat gets to the line, offensively, the Heat gets to the line really well, but the Spurs were second in the league in opponent free throw rate, meaning they defend without fouling. Um, even better than the Pacers do, which is, you know, if you listen to Frank Vogel at all, you understand he (laughs) wants to, you know, he says defend without fouling, defend without fouling. Well, the Spurs do that Um, basically as well as any team in the league. Only the Lakers had a lower uh, opponent free-throw rate during the season. So there is no area where you say, oh, wow, you know, this is the one uh, area where uh, this team is better than that team, and this is going to be their advantage. I think it's you know, it's two different systems a little bit. You know, I see advantages for both. You know, with you know, with the Heat, I mean, there's just LeBron. I mean he is you know, he's the answer to anything, any sort of question that you might bring up. And then with the Spurs, I just think they have the offensive system that can really take advantage of how aggressively the Heat play defensively. You know, like the Heat like the to you know, to attack the pick and roll, they like to double team. Um, you know hedge out hard with their big man who's defending the pick-and-roll and the pacers you know with how poorly they took care of the ball and with how you know they didn't really have shooters they couldn't really take advantage of that as much you know they were able to do some things with their big guys but i think the, the spurs are even better in that one they have tony parker who's probably the best pick-and-roll ball handler in the league and then they have pass, everybody's a good passer on that team and so they can move the ball quickly and then they have the shooting uh, in spades that can really you know, really uh, sort of take advantage of the heat's aggressiveness uh, on the weak side. Like they have, you know, obviously they have uh, Green and Leonard and then coming off the bench they have Bonner and Gary Neal and Ginobili all, you know, just so many shooters that can really um, you know, take advantage of of the Heat double-teaming the ball and then the ball movement, you know, hitting open shots.
1: Yeah, we talked earlier, um, you know, and we heard people talking about earlier, you know, 2007, 2007, 2007. <laughs> These matches are so, are so different in terms of LeBron and where his game is now. Greg Popovich talked about the fact that LeBron's much more of a problem at this stage of his career than he was even, in, you know, in, six years ago. Then we heard Shane Battier talk about, you know, the rotation and the changes from series to series and how they go. And he had a great line Battier did about, you know, Mm -hmm. dropping out of rotation. He was like, hey, you know, sometimes you've got to eat the turd sandwich to make the ribeye taste better the next time. You know, what what rotational tweaks and uh, schematic tweaks do you you think can send this series in one direction or another, John, in terms of specific personnel matchups? Well, I think, um, splitter is going to be the question. I mean, he's
3: not, I mean, I think he's a much improved player, and I think part of the Spurs' improved defense this year is, uh, is about him playing more and playing better, having, you know, more knowledge of the systems, more knowledge of the league, um, being able to react quicker, quicker. Um, and the Spurs have been really good defensively with him and, uh, Duncan on the floor together um, so I think it's a matter of you know how well he plays and if he can give them an advantage um, then that's good for the Spurs because if he if, if he is an issue whether it be defensively or offensively not being enough of a threat and then they try to play small ball well then they're sort of playing right in
1: right into the Heat's hands. right Lang Let's go around the horn real quick here. Wrap up this uh, finals preview for the Hang Time Podcast here. Give me a prediction going in before Game One. Who you got? How many games and why?
2: Well, if you're gonna, I, I, I think it's, I think it's a great matchup. I think Miami's going to win. Uh, I'll say six games because I think, I think they'll win Game One. I think the Spurs might win one in Miami, and then I, I think the Heat get rolling. Um, yeah. So I think Heat in six. What do you think?
1: John, what do you, well, I'm going to ask John first. What do you think, John? Who's going to win? How many games or what?
3: I'm picking Spurs in six. Um, one reason is because what did I explain about how their offense I think is perfect to sort of counter the Heat's defense. And then the other thing I just, um, from what we've seen of Dwayne Wade and, and Chris Bosh, I just don't <laughs> feel like the Heat have enough offensively right. um, on the other end of the floor. I just feel like, you know, LeBron needs some serious support in this series, and I just don't trust Wade with his injury and Bosh with just how he's been kind of passive um, yeah. for them to, to play consistently enough for the Heat to win.
1: I'm I'm a firm believer in styles-making fights, and I thought the style the Eastern Conference Finals didn't suit the Heat I think the style of this matchup against San Antonio is much more to their liking. I'm going Heat in six, and I think it's extremely difficult, having watched it the last, you know, decade and a half, for a team to go home and try and win those three middle games. So if, if the Heat come out and take games one and two, it, you know, it is impossible almost for a team to win those three games at home. It's just so much pressure on you um, within a week span to win those games. I'm going Heat in six. Rick Fox, we'd love to know what you think. But since Ooh. you, uh, you exactly, since, since we can't find you this week on the Hang Time Podcast, we will we will find that out and insert you somewhere later. And, uh, guys, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Man, get to Miami. John and I are already down here hanging out. Greg, you get to San Antonio since you're not coming to hang with us in Miami. Um, and we appreciate everybody joining us this week on the Hang Time Podcast. Finals preview. You got it right here. Pete in six, according to myself and Lang Whitaker. Spurs in six, according to NBA.com. John Schumann, John, thanks for joining us, brother. Anytime. All right, we'll see you next time right here on the Hangtime Podcast. Later. Jarrell says Broncos in four. (laughs) Jarrell says Brontosaurus Burger smacked across his forehead in two.
0: Thanks for listening to the Hangtime Podcast. To download more episodes of the show, visit the iTunes Music Store. And be sure to check out the Hangtime blog on NBA.com. And as always, an epic matchup between your two favorite teams and you're at the game, getting the most from what it means to be here with American express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip off and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. When you're an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? Uh, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkouts not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply.